Well, good morning, church. It's great to be here. Great to be here with you. You know, uh, it, it occurred to me the other day that there are times when it feels like we have arrived. There are actual moments, there are experiences in life in which it feels like we have really climbed the pinnacle of the meaning of life and we have found it. It is there. We are staking our, our meaning stake in the ground. We have found our purpose and fulfillment and satisfaction. It feels like we have arrived. Now, for some, that might mean that you're turning 18. There happens to be someone turning 18 in the building today. But I'm not going to embarrass Rebecca <laughs> and tell you that it's her birthday today. But maybe she feels like she has reached the pinnacle, like, like this, this is it. I've reached it. Meaning has arrived. My life suddenly has purpose. I am an adult. We can have this feeling really any time in our life. Now think about the child who, with a bucket load of Legos, these little bricks that stack on top of one another, walks into the basement, looks at the tub of Legos and says, I'm going to create a Lego city. I'm going to use every single brick. And as they go, and they take the last little Lego brick and place it on the city that they've built. They feel, I've arrived. Life suddenly has meaning and purpose. I have used every single brick. Maybe it's the student who now back in school has that really tough teacher. I mean, everybody in the school knows that this teacher is really tough. That they give really hard tests. And they think, how in the world, how in the world am I going to get through this class? And then they they take the test only to find that on the other end they have gotten an A. And in that moment they think, this is it. I've arrived. I did it. Maybe it's the scholarship. At the end of school they think, how am I going to pay for the next step? How am I going to make it to the next level? And, and they get that, that scholarship check in the mail and it comes and they're like, yes! This is it. Maybe it's not even the scholarship. Maybe, maybe it's, it's having graduated at the top of your class. And you think, this, this is it. All I've worked for. All the hard work. It's exceptional. I graduated at the top of my class. I, I have now, I've now arrived. Fulfillment. Satisfaction. Meaning can be mine because... I've achieved this wonderful thing. Maybe it's, maybe it's what the college education has brought you. Maybe you got the job, right? I've got the job. 
I got the promotion. I got the notoriety. Maybe, maybe it is that, that you got the job that gets you the girl or the boy, right? And now that you have the girl or the boy because you have the job and, and the scholarship and having graduated at the top of your class and you're going to have your 2.5 children. That was a little funny. That was, <laughs> you know, ratio 2.5. Come on now. And you can say with all of it, man, now I have arrived. I have my children. And maybe your children grow up and they give you great-grandchildren and then great-grandchildren and, and great-great-grandchildren and, and you can go, ah, now, now my life has meaning. Now it's fulfilled. Now, now I've arrived. Maybe it's, maybe it's the building that's going to be named after you. Uh, maybe, maybe it has your name prominently on the side of it, and you're like, ah, yes, all that my life has been. It now has meaning because now my name stands on a building to be remembered. Maybe it's that your picture is on a wall, on a plaque, and you've signed the picture, and you, ah, ah, now. Now I've arrived. Now I have meaning. There's all this wonderful expression. There are times, aren't there? Wonderful times, great times, glorious times in which maybe we feel like we have arrived. For me as a preacher, right? Sometimes you dream. You go to these big conferences. You hear these speakers and you think inside, I bet I could do that. And I wonder, I wonder, you know, if as a preacher, right, someone calls me, hey, would you, you speak at this little gathering? And my, my chest puffs up just a little bit. And I think, ah, now I've arrived, right? Now here's the deal. All those feelings are real. All those experiences are real. And they can even be great and wonderful and glorious. But you have to remember, feel ain't real. The thing that, that this, this whole book has been telling us, this book of Ecclesiastes, this series that we, we have been in called Life is Short. And, and you need to know, life is short, and there might be actual times in which you experience something uh, that lets you feel like you have arrived. And yet, if you feel like you have arrived, just, just keep in the back of your mind that you've probably just driven to the wrong destination. The author, the preacher, the teacher of Ecclesiastes, he's going to continue to say throughout his entire book, right? Meaningless. All is meaningless. That puff of wind. Hey, if you think that brings your life meaning, think again. Because feel ain't real. So the question that we all have in the back of our minds is, well, if, 
If the name on the building and the scholarships and the, and the boy and the girl and, the, uh, and all the notoriety in the world and all the accomplishments and the A on the test and, and, and the great job and the money and, and the accomplishments and, and all of it, if it all is meaningless, then, then how is it that our lives will find meaning? I mean, it's all kind of been boiling up to this moment, hasn't it? If all of that is meaningless, then how in the world do we find meaning? How in the world do we find fulfillment and satisfaction out of life? Now the good news is in the very last couple of verses in Ecclesiastes, this teacher, this preacher, he begins to answer the question that our hearts really want. If all of that is a puff of smoke, if all of it is a vapor, if all of it is meaningless, then how do we live with meaning? Let's open our Bibles together. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. If you need a Bible, grab one in front of you. If you don't have one to take home with you, by all means, take it with you. No one's going to chastise you. We want you to have a Bible. We want you to get into it and read it and as much as you can try and understand it. So open up your Bibles, page 467, if you're looking in the Pew Bibles in front of you. Meaning, meaning, life's meaning, life's satisfaction, life's purpose is the outcome of a life filled with faith. Uh, look with me at the very beginning of verse 13. He sums it all up, really, just in a couple words. Now all has been heard. All of it. It's all there. All of it has been heard. I've told you about all the things, right? I've told you about the money. I've told you about the pleasures. I've told you about the buildings. All has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. And keep His commandments. For this is the entire duty, the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Meaning is the outcome of a life filled with faith. Did you catch that? He says, after all of this, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God. When he's talking about fearing God, he is saying that there ought to be a position of awe and reverence and trust before the God of the universe. There was an author one time that said, if we fear God, then we fear nothing else. But if we do not fear God, we fear everything else. And if we bring ourselves to say, I will fear you above all other things, then what we are saying to God is I will place my life in your hands. 
I will make sure that, that God, I live in, in such a way as to demonstrate that you are the center of my life. And I will trust you that way. And, and Scripture, isn't it? It's filled with people who do those same sorts of things. They, they come around the God of the universe and they fear Him more than they fear anything else. We have stories like Abraham and he's called at an old age and God says, hey, I want you to pick up and move everything out. Abraham says, okay. And Paul, on his way to Damascus, says, as one who is persecuting Christians, God comes and visits him and says, hey, look, here's the deal. Not only do I want you to knock it off, I want you to go and be my apostle. I want you to be my messenger, carrying a special, mes special message of good news to everybody. And he says, okay. You want meaning? Your life needs to be filled with faith in God. Galatians 3.11 says, the righteous will live by faith. Fear God. Now, how, how is it that we are supposed to demonstrate this fear? How is it that we are supposed to, to take that which brings meaning to our life? How is it that we are supposed to, to bring this around, to to show it, to demonstrate it. Well, the text is going to tell us it's really quite simple. The demonstration comes as we obey God and the things that He's told us to do. Notice what the text says. It says, fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Now, there's really two types of commandments that we keep from God. Uh, remember when Jesus was asked, now he was trying to be trapped, but he was asked nonetheless, well, what's the greatest commandment? And you remember his response? His response comes down to love God and love people, right? Love God and love people. So there is a vertical sense of this keeping of God's commands, and there is a horizontal sense. There is a sense in which uh, there is a vertical relationship between me and God. There are commandments that are direct, directly related to how I interact with God on the vertical level. You remember, maybe, in Exodus chapter 20, when God gives the Ten Commandments, the first half of the Ten Commandments are all vertical in nature. Things like, you'll have no other gods before me. You're not going to have idols. Uh, so perhaps as we look at this mission, this finding of meaning, we can say, I, I will fear God and I will demonstrate that in, in how I keep the commands between me and God. 
Maybe we can just start with saying, I'm not going to have any other gods before the God of the universe, before the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, some of you are sitting there saying, hey, I got no problems. I'm good. No problems here. I got no, I got no statues in my closet. I don't bow. I don't burn incense before any pictures or anything. I'm, I'm good. I got no idols. I, I don't do that sort of thing like maybe the, the people across the ocean do, like the Hindus or the Buddhists. I'm, I'm good. No problem. But I wonder... I wonder if with our children, I wonder if with our children, at times we have said in certain circumstances, well, I'm going to move the position of my children. I'm going to make decisions regarding my children that that show that I worship my children more than I worship my God. Let's say that it's Sunday morning. Maybe it's a lot like this morning. And you get up, and you realize suddenly that there are three games that your children need to be at beginning at 12.30. And you think, I don't know, maybe to avoid all the chaos, we could just skip out on church altogether. Maybe we could just not come because... Well, we got these ball games, you know. And I wonder if, if in our decision-making we could just as easily say to God, well, God, we, we worship You. But today I worship my children. I wonder if with some of our things... We could say of my things, this thing is really more important to me. And maybe we would never say it in a setting like this. We would never say if someone were to ask us, uh, do you worship idols? Oh, no. I know that that's wrong. But you see, we just bought this new car. And it is so nice. You go to sit in it. Mm. It's got leather seats. You kind of sink down in. It's actually comfortable to sit in. And it purrs when you push on the gas pedal. And we have small group in the middle of the week, but it was supposed to storm, and the only car available to me is that car. And I think, I don't know. 
I'm not quite sure I can take the car out of the garage because it would mean I would get it dirty. And so I'm just going to stay home. And so you and I, with all the things that we own and all of the people in our lives, we have to be very careful and intentional to say to God, I will demonstrate with all of the desire that I can possibly muster that I trust You. That I will fear You and I will obey You even if it hurts me. Because I trust You more than I trust me. And God, these vertical commands, I'm going to try and get them right. I'm going to try and live here in trust of you. But it's not just the vertical commands with God, things like, don't have any idols before me. It's the horizontal commands, isn't it? It's the command not just to love God, but to love other people. On the horizontal level, there are all sorts of relational commands that that God gives that we should be doing with and for one another, aren't there? Have you ever met an extra grace required person? They're the sort of person that Well, they don't get the joke when it's told. Uh, They're the sort of person that is kind of the third wheel everywhere they go. Uh, They're just different. At least in your eyes, they're different. And you think, I don't really need to like them. You're a student. You go to the cafeteria, and there is that student in the cafeteria. To be truthful, you don't want anything to do with them. Because to be associated with them would mean maybe that all of your other friends would begin to associate you with them, and you're not really sure that you're okay with associating yourself with someone uh, that you think is different. And yet, fear God and obey His commands on the vertical and the horizontal level. And so, even as a student, you have this glorious opportunity to say to God, I am going to demonstrate to you my fear of you over fear of anything else. And I will love this student. Maybe your neighbor never attends church. Oh, you keep asking. You keep telling them about how wonderful church is. And and maybe you've invited them several times. And not only have you invited them, but now they have begun to kind of mock you about it. They're not just saying no now. They're being vicious and angry. And you think... That's it. I'm going to dismiss you. I don't need this. I don't need this extra stress in my life. 
Fear God and obey His commands. On the vertical and the horizontal. Love God. Love people. You see, if all of us were asked, would you like to have meaning in your life? Would you like purpose? We would probably all raise our hand. Yes, pick me. Yet you need to know that meaning is the outcome of a life filled with faith, demonstrated through the obedience of God's commands, vertically and horizontally. So what might motivate us? Uh, do you ever need like a, a little push? Uh, maybe it was this morning. Uh, maybe you rolled out of bed and you kind of thought, oh, I'm tired. I don't want you to raise your hand if that was you. <laughs> but maybe you just need a little push. You need a little extra motivation. The author of Ecclesiastes gives us this motivation by simply saying, you know what? If you will fear God and obey His commands, you will find meaning. But to make sure that you demonstrate your obedience, know that God knows everything. Look at verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Everything! That's a lot of things. Everything God will bring to judgment. And you have this incredible choice in regards to how you will stand judgment. You see, everybody gets to stand judgment before the throne room of God. Everybody, Christians and non-Christians alike, will have to stand before the throne of God. The only question is how you will stand there. Will you stand there as one who has ultimately found meaning in God Himself because you have placed your trust in Him? Or will you stand before God on the final day when judgment is present with no faith at all? How will you live how will you find meaning? It will be in your faith in Jesus. You see, Jesus came so that he might die. Die a death we should have died so that we could live a life that only he could give. Meaning comes through faith. And the righteous will live by faith. 
You see, you can enjoy all of the accomplishments. You can enjoy the A on the test. You can enjoy uh, getting the winning run. Uh, you can enjoy uh, the, the new car or, or, or the fact that you got married or the fact that you got the scholarship or that you got the boy or that you got the girl. You can enjoy all of those things, but none of them bring ultimate meaning. Meaning is the outcome of a life filled with faith. So I want to invite you, if you have already made that pledge of faith to God, that you can again. That you can say, today I'm going to renew myself in trusting you. And you may be sitting there going, I don't even know what you're talking about. What is this whole faith thing all about? But you're curious because life continues to disappoint you when you think that you have arrived. And I am telling you beyond a shadow of a doubt, based on the Word of God, that meaning comes through a life filled with faith. You want purpose? You want satisfaction? I invite you into a life of faith that you will know God and that you will keep His commands. So I'm going to ask you to stand. Josh is going to come and we're going to play some music. And if you're thinking this morning that, that you need an opportunity just to initiate a faith contact, then then I would invite you to come to talk to me, to talk to Josh so that your life is filled forever with the kind of meaning that never fades. Because the only way that you arrive is through faith. Pray with me. Lord God, I... I pray that all of the things that our life is filled with. I pray, Father, on one side that we will find enjoyment in them, but I pray, Father, that we will not look to them for ultimate meaning in life. I pray, Father, that the only satisfaction that we can ultimately gain will be because we have chosen to trust you. And Father, I pray for all of us that when we do that, that we will demonstrate it by, by our willingness to continue this journey toward obeying you. Lord, we know in the end that you're the judge. I pray that when we stand before you, we are seen as righteous, as ones who have meaning because of our faith. Lord, help us to make a decision to find meaning only in you. Pray it in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.